CMOs are awash in data about their customers, but here's one stat about chief marketers themselves, and it's not so great. The average CMO tenure is now shorter than the lifespan of a guppy fish. The typical guppy may live for a year, maybe three, five in rare cases. When I got a few guppies as a kid, I think they lasted a few months tops before they went belly up and I was crestfallen. Aquatic mortality rates aside, it's a fine point on things when the average CMO tenure isn't much better, generally speaking, than the life cycle of a guppy. According to executive search firm Spencer Stewart, the average CMO tenure in 2020 dropped to 40 months, the lowest it's been since 2009. In the last few years, several major brands, including IBM, General Mills, and McDonald's have eliminated the CMO role altogether and spread marketing's responsibilities to other communications-based disciplines. The churn rate among CMOs is on the rise as well. If they want to help drive growth and add to their own career longevity in the process, CMOs may have to hit the reset button. Here to talk about how to reverse the decline in CMO tenure and how chief marketers take on more of a leadership role is Matthew Lieberman, CMO at PwC US and Mexico. Matthew is also a member of the Forbes Technology Council and a frequent speaker at industry conferences. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, great to be here. Matt, let's start with uh, your reaction to the latest Spencer Stewart numbers showing the average CMO tenure is at its lowest point in more than a decade. How to stop the hemorrhaging? Yeah, it's a great question. It's also interesting because it's not only those who are getting let go or reorganized, but we've now seen a recent number of CMOs who have chosen to leave as part of the great resignation or off to other pastures or jobs. So it's a very interesting time for marketing executives. I think to stop the hemorrhaging, it's really a combination of three things. Number one is marketing leaders need to be able to show their value. And what you referenced at the beginning of this around being able to use data and analytics to really show what marketing's impact is and how it's helping drive the business is something that marketers and marketing leaders specifically need to do a better job of. They also need to become a better member of the C-suite overall team. Often the CMO sat off on the side, wasn't involved being invited to board meetings or other types of C-suite meetings, but earning that seat and being able to really deliver more impact and value from that seat is something that CMOs need to do better. And then lastly, it's the marketing leaders that I know that are incredibly successful are the ones who are involved in every step of the overall customer or client experience. So starting with things like strategy, they should be at the table when new products or services are being developed or we're thinking about a fundamental change for the business. And all the way through post the sale through the delivery, how are clients or customers reacting? And those that are a key member of that overall CX process are the ones that are going to be able to demonstrate that value. I also think this all includes being a better partner to the business. It's really important for CMOs to be talking to business leaders early and often. Oftentimes in the past, CMOs were working a bit in isolation and that just won't work in today's world, especially as things are changing as quickly as they are. And then lastly, and probably very importantly, is using technology to demonstrate that value. And things like AI or data analytics now allow us to prove that you're increasing sales or helping with brand equity, assuming that's what you're doing. If not, use this technology to show where you're going, what the roadmap is so you can course correct. So there are things that CMOs can and should be doing, and it's never going to be easily perfect, but it is definitely an exciting time of change for these executives. 
Okay, and when you talk about uh, CMOs being a better partner for the business, is that predicated, however, Matt, on breaking down the silos or at least trying to collapse them, which CMOs themselves might not be ultimately responsible for? I think so. And I can talk about personally at our firm, that is something that we have been very focused upon. I also think it's important when I talk to a lot of my peers outside of our firm that we have to be able to demonstrate why CMOs should be part of that conversation. Because it's not necessarily something that is understandable to the rest of the C-suite. They don't understand what today's modern CMO can or should be doing. So if you're able to show how you can help, show how you're having impact, show how you tie into various processes from strategy through execution, that really does help break down the silos. Okay. And from an industry standpoint, when we, again, come back to uh, this downward slide in tenure, is it that CMOs are failing to connect these dots that you seem to be talking about and educating uh, the CEO and CFO on those dots and, and what this new world means? So I think every case is a unique and different situation. However, I think there are probably some commonalities. So CMOs are feeling pressure just like the rest of the C-suite to evolve businesses to work on both the top line and bottom line. And that all has to be done in a time of great socioeconomic health and political issues that are going on. And so that pressure is felt by the CMO and others, and that can probably add some stress to those relationships. But again, going back to what I think is important, it's making sure that you're a critical part of that client experience or customer experience all the way along. And I think there's also an opportunity for marketers to show more concrete results, which all marketing executives can and should be showing now due to the data that our new marketing technologies allow us to do. And so by using this technology, it I think helps stem that downward slide. And then lastly, one of the things that many of my colleagues talk about is how hard some of the current conditions are. And I truly believe you can't, it's okay to talk about them, but you can't complain about current conditions. We really have to figure out how we can overcome them and be action oriented. We're not gonna be able to change the world. So how do we update our overall marketing strategy and execution to work within today's new world? Okay, and um, sort of uh, piggybacking on uh, your last comment, is being te tech savvy now de rigueur for CMOs who want to take a lead, take on a leadership role? Is, is that really the baseline now? Whereas even say three or five years ago, that was not required. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time thinking about this with my uh, direct reports, and I would say you don't have to be a data scientist to be a CMO. I'm certainly not one, but you still have to know enough to know what our technology can do, what you should be asking of your people so you can get the data and be able to prove the results you need. And I think it's related to that. It's also understanding how you can connect the dots with this technology to other technology that exists within our companies. So if you have a marketing automation system, how is it tie into the CRM system that sales is using and all of the other data sources that are providing? And I think also you really need to consider why you and your team need this technology and bucket it accordingly. One of the things that I've noticed is it, we're expected to know everything about being able to utilize technology to be successful in marketing. However, we really have to understand what the goal is. So is it to cut costs? So should we be 
implementing automations or is it to drive revenue? So something like, should we be using AI for better targeting? Or is it to give a better overall client experience? So can we put some governance and email automation? It really is important to me to understand what we're trying to solve mm -hmm. and then bring the right people together to, and those being the tech savvy people to help solve those problems. And I think the thing that fundamentally all CMOs need to start with is understanding how we can better use our marketing technology, because it doesn't mean trying to buy everything out there. And I know I had a little bit of that as a failure a couple of years ago. Rather, it really means focusing on a few goals and asking how you can achieve them given the current technology. And if there is a need for a new technology, go and explore it. But closing the gaps as needed, as opposed to trying to build the most perfect MarTech stack out there from the beginning. But do you think for a lot of CMOs out there, that's uh, part of the problem here in terms of uh, a failure to optimize the technology and that they're not asking those questions necessarily in terms of what is this going to ultimately do? What is our goal as opposed to, oh, this technology is going to help us you know, distribute this campaign or it's going to help us animate this campaign, if you will. Uh, is that where some of the gaps might be? I think so, because this is really an evolution and Several years ago, it was really like the Wild West with a ton of vendors. There was not, there was very little consolidation of any of technology vendors out there. We're coming to multiple of our team members offering these really bright and shiny offerings. And so we bought them and oftentimes they were duplicative or the systems didn't speak to each other or they weren't providing the data that we needed or we weren't ready for them based on our processes that we were running internally. And so the early days of MarTech were trying to build these stacks without having the benefit of knowing what a true MarTech system can do and how that ties into our overall marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Now that we're able to have a bit of a retrospective, we can now make those adjustments accordingly. So it's a stack with sophistication as opposed to even maybe three or five years ago in which it was just a stack for the sake of a stack. Am That's I wrong? Right. No, I think you're right. And it's very much back then it was we need technology. It is a differentiator for us. We have to be competitive. Everybody else is buying it. And we didn't really, most of us, I should say, didn't have an understanding of what that actually meant or the understanding the end goal of how we were using it, which is really to get to that truly customized customer or client experience that is not only superb, but personalized and is aligned to the overall business goals. And there's no one right MarTech stack out there, not even within the same industry or sector, but rather for each company, it really does need to align to the overall strategy. And that was something I don't believe any of the colleagues I talked about were thinking about several years ago. But you bring up a very salient point a few moments ago about CMOs don't necessarily have to be a data scientist to succeed in this uh, climate. Uh, so talk to, you know, having this really whole brain approach Having that sense of uh, analytics and technology, the left brain, but also not giving short trip to the right brain and the creative, which this whole industry has been predicated on. I think where you're going is right on, which is you can't index too far only into the left brain for marketing strategy. Creativity is always going to be king. And I think the other thing that we need to add in is empathy, especially in today's world. So with that said, though, you can be a creative genius and there's a lot of them out there in our world, but if you don't understand what your customers and your employees, other stakeholders want and need, you're not going to get that far. 
So the best marketers are able to pull from both sides of the brain. I think the other thing is, is equally important is our marketers really need to be consultants to our internal stakeholders. You can have the best or most creative ideas, but if you don't know how to build those relationships, navigate the silos, as we were talking about earlier, handle that friction in a diplomatic way, no marketer, regardless of left or right brain, is going to be able to make it a success. And I think the other thing is, even with the best tech and data available, if we had that nirvana of the perfect MarTech stack, that will never be able to run marketing. The robots will never be coming to take over marketing in totality. I think as marketers, we really have to understand how to use this data, along with all of our creativity and qualitative points of view, in order to make the best decisions. And those that are can do so can be real winners. And that's what I really challenge our team to do is to really show up differently and really try and create new experiences that are not just incrementally better, but totally new and different that serve us up in a different way. To take on um, that leadership role and in more tangible ways, are you responsible for PL, Matt? And has that been a driver in terms of your role and strengthening your relationships with the C-suite? So I don't think marketing execs need to own the PL. I don't own PLs at our firm. I do own my own, of course, but not responsible for the overall firm's performance. However, I do believe marketing executives, similar to how we're run, do need to have very clearly defined metrics that you can measure against. And part of that is it's only really fair to measure marketers and marketing success based on what they control. There's a lot of other factors beyond marketing that are tangential to a product or service of success. And so I think about things like number of leads passed, meetings set, direct sales created, pipeline influenced, any of those types of things I think are very helpful and it has to be something that's agreed upon by the business, not just within marketing. And I also think CMO should be responsible for non-financial metrics as well. So things like client employee satisfaction scores and given marketing is a critical part of, but not the only part of the business's success, you really need to take as a CMO a bold stand on what you can and will own and incorporate this into the overall business metrics, the PL statements included. Okay, so not a PL officially, but again, you have you do have these uh, XYZ uh, metrics um, that you uh, have baked into the pie, so to speak. And, and are these metrics relatively new to your portfolio? They are. So there's a couple of things that we've done. Number one is that we've standardized them with the business, meaning they agree that these are valuable to them and it's something that is understandable to them and contextualized. So it's not just throwing raw data out there, but rather has it look year over year versus competitors or quarter over quarter or versus other groups in the firm, et cetera. The other thing is we now have standardized marketing impact reporting that each of our many teams, the World Highly Matrix organization, have to report on. Because one of the challenges I saw historically was, of course, vanity reporting, which is everybody's going to put their best metrics forward. And that's not going to offer a clean and consistent way for us to be able to compare groups or to compare success against either goals or historical. So making sure that everybody is using the same reporting and also same language and same definition on how to calculate those metrics has been a big game changer for us. And you've eliminated the vanity metrics? We have. They are not only are they not allowed to be reported, but we have standardized 
templates now that are shared back with the business. And that's what needs to be utilized. We've also moved to including a lot of qualitative metrics and people say, well, that's not as concrete. Well, they really are if they're done in a consistent way, because we need to be able to enhance the overall story with using common language and common definitions of qualitative success. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We now take a break for a brief message regarding the ANA Growth Agenda. The ANA Growth Agenda plays an important role in boosting the value of the marketing and advertising industries. The 12 point plan supports a wide range of issues that are critical to the development of CMOs and marketers, ranging from diversity, equity, and inclusion to sustainability to brand safety. For more information, please visit ana.net slash growth agenda. And now back to our show. I'm speaking with Matthew Lieberman, CMO at PwC US and Mexico, about how CMOs can bolster their leadership skills and start to reverse the decline in CMO tenure. Matt, are there any changes CMOs can make vis-a-vis their C-level colleagues to improve the overall value of marketing? Do you have some examples? Yeah, so I think there's probably three main things that we can do. Number one is show the C-suite, the other executives, the teams that you're working with, show them the data. If you can deliver campaigns that show verifiable results, you're going to develop good relationships. And I've also found that the data shows a number of things like less is more. So how do you do fewer campaigns, but with greater impact? That also shows how you can do things like lower cost and really focus on some core activities. But in order to start any of those conversations, come with that data. Related to that, the second thing is working on speed. The world has changed drastically over the past couple of years. It's probably an understatement, but changing our marketing strategy should no longer be a yearly or even a quarterly exercise. With the help of technology, any of us can reorganize our teams for faster responses to new developments and to continually adjust our campaigns. We can't do that six or 12 month lookout in terms of building campaigns. They need to be in a matter of days, if not weeks. And I think for us, it makes our C-suite happy when we can say, yesterday, this big development happened out in the world. It impacts the business world. And today we have a response out on what our clients need to know and what they should be thinking about. Or something like yesterday, our data analytics showed a way for us to increase campaigns reach. So as such, we adjusted something like our targeting, or we use the technology to even do that automatically. But being able to show that we, we can work at speed with the help of technology is huge. And I think lastly, and maybe most importantly, and ironically, it probably applies to all aspects of life, is stop and listen. We often are going so fast and we want to present that we're not really understanding what the business and what our external stakeholders really want to hear. So with our stakeholders, I think the one thing to improve most is really just slow down and ask those open-ended questions. They often will give us some of the insights that we didn't even know that we were looking for. What is PwC CEO's Tim Ryan's view of marketing and how has your relationship with them worked to the benefit of the greater good? So. Tim, as our senior partner and his entire leadership team, have grown much more involved and supportive of marketing over the past couple of years. And this wasn't always the case, but I think it took a combination of a couple of things. One was education, and that really revolved around explaining why marketing is important and how it helps the business, and more than just helping to drive specific pipeline. 
Secondly, really having an idea around marketing strategy aligned to business strategy. So we used to do a lot more scattershot marketing tactics before I was in the role. We've now really moved to a campaign strategy where we're looking at one firm meeting across all of our segments. And that ties back to the earlier comments around doing less better. So being able to show that our strategy can mirror the business's overall strategy. And lastly, that ability to show impact. And we're now at the point where I can say to them, if you give us X amount of extra dollars or Y amount of re extra resources, I will be able to deliver this type of specific impact. And before that was something that was always you know, very, for lack of a better word, fluffy. And now we have the ability to really track the benefit and value that marketing can bring to the overall firm. Oh, no, no. As I say, I think that's really manifested in terms of they, the leadership team made a very large investment in our first ever global brand campaign this past year called The New Equation. And it was a significant investment in terms of dollars, resources, but more importantly, with a recognition of what the importance of brand enhancement and that brand enhancement in terms of tying it to pipeline and sales. I think that was able to occur in large part due to us being able to spend that journey of education, strategy, and impact. Also, Matt, is it not just less better, but is it in this world we're living in now, less is more and also less running around, more focus? Absolutely. And it's becoming even more difficult to get through the noise, especially with a fundamental shift to a virtual and or now hybrid world and the amount of content that's being created, the amount of advertising that's occurring, the amount of webcasts that people are being invited to, et cetera, that's more of a B2B lens. But we really have to not only focus on it from our own resource perspective, but also putting ourselves in our client's shoes, which is, I don't want to hear from PwC multiple times a day or multiple times a week. What is that curated experience and which of these events or emails do I need to read or events do I need to attend? which are the ones that's going to be most relevant to me. And that is that overall CX journey that all of us need to continue focusing on. What are the biggest challenges for recruiting new talent? And if you could talk to uh, CMOs getting out of this uh, so-called talent bubble we previously discussed. Yeah, so we're in an incredibly tough time. And at PwC, like most CMOs I talk to, have this at the top of their list. And I think specifically... A lot of our talent's getting poached in this hyper-competitive market. Many of us are suffering just from the great resignation, losing key talent who are, losing, who are leaving the workforce. We're having challenges to continue building diverse teams. It often takes extra effort and time to find underrepresented talent. And the fact that marketing skill sets are changing, getting back to our conversation on digital, getting those that have digital chops are harder and often more expensive to get. So we're in a really tough time. But with that said, it's also an opportunity for us because it, re it refocuses us on doing a better job of focusing on developing our talent. So really making sure that we're offering our marketers a chance to work with the best technology and the best people. We need to offer them compelling upscaling opportunities. So what we're talking about with our training now is regardless if you stay at the art firm or not, this is going to help you in your overall marketing career this upskilling is for you. And also making sure that marketing's purpose aligns with the firm's purpose. I think it's a great way to attract and retain talent and to focus on the flexibility that so many of us are offering now. And many of us had offered historically, but 
really being able to focus on our employees' well-being and how and where they want to work. And I really don't see this challenge ending anytime soon. So we need to continue to stay vigilant on this as marketing leaders. Okay. And as we start to wrap up, Matt, how much of the talent question is generational in terms of hiring millennials and even Gen Zers who are coming to the workplace, who uh, all of whom were raised by the algorithm, were conditioned by digital media. Um, I put this to another a fellow and he accused me of, be, of uh, being ageist. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Is that so much ageism as more chronology? I probably land in his camp and I'll tell you why. We don't look at talent in terms of age. I don't think that you need to hire people under a certain age or digital natives. I think what we do have to hire is the right talent that have the right skills that match our strategy. And obviously these skills are in the digital realm. And so I know looking at some of our recent hires that there is, I have not seen a correlation between age and knowledge. What I have seen is those who have taken the first step or many steps in order to upskill themselves and to present as a digitally forward marketer. And we're trying to hire those types of individuals like crazy. I will say, given everybody else's as well, we're also really heavily focused on developing our own people, again, regardless of age, because we need to, if we can't buy these hot talent, we need to build them. And so we have a very new and focused program for our marketers in order to give them that opportunity to develop their digital chops. So each quarter we have a week long of learning called Infinite Learning Week, which is heavily focused on digital skills. We offer them what we call drop zones, which are effective quick hit learnings on different technology and analytics items. And we have a lot of other just training and development programs. A lot of them involve peer coaching as well to make them into the advanced digital marketers we need. And again, I don't, I don't believe that's age. It's those that are willing to adapt and are excited about evolving with the profession as our needs and strategy evolve. What do you see moving forward? Uh, what are the major takeaways for CMOs here? How do, how do they change the trajectory? Because let's face it, there's some real uh, ominous signposts uh, up there. There are a lot of ominous signposts, but there's, I also really, and I'm not even that much of a glass half full person, but I really see this as an exciting time for marketing execs and for marketers who are moving their way up the ranks. It almost feels to me like a it's the best of times, worst of times analogy for marketing, because on the one hand, it's so exciting to see what that combo of creativity and technology are allowing us to do our ability to show impact with data, lots of growth opportunities within the profession. But we're also at a time when things are changing almost daily. It's hard to retain talent. The complexity of marketing techniques is challenging. The competitive landscape is getting harder and harder. And so the way that I look at it is at least we're never going to have a dull moment where we can be in an exciting and challenging place. Um, And I think it gets back to where you let off with, which is really making sure that marketing is viewed as a key component of the business and is well connected in with the business early and throughout in terms of really showing its value and continuing to be successful in being a key department at any form or company. And Matt, is there a uh, website uh, you'd like to mention where uh, CMOs can get uh, some illustration of uh, what uh, PwC is doing uh, to boost its marketing and advertising efforts, uh, as well as any leadership uh, tools uh, CMOs can appreciate? 
Sure. So in relation to our new equation, which was our new grand campaign I referenced, if you go to pwc.com, you'll see a link there to the new equation. You can see a little bit about how we're bringing that one firm real time focus to the market and really trying to focus on PwC's core values of solving important problems and building trust. And also to show how we're showing up a little bit differently, if you go to pwc.com forward slash tech effect, that is our new technology focus channel, which is a bit of a different way of how a professional services firm shows up differently and is looking at evolving with the overall business and external world. Okay, appreciate that. And uh, big thanks to my guest, Matthew Lieberman, CMO at PwC in US and Mexico. Matt, really appreciate the uh, candor. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And for the ANA Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Until next time, thanks for listening.